Well, hey friends, today is really exciting. Not only because it's the first Sunday of a brand new year, which means that 2020 is finally behind us, uh, but also because this Sunday we are launching a series and a theme that really is gonna take us throughout the entirety of this next year. Uh, we're gonna be focusing on this idea of blessing your block. You see, this past week, uh, there were a lot of reflections on 2020 and what this year meant and kind of the fallout from everything that has happened this year. Uh, but one of the common themes that we've all experienced over the past year has been how important it is to invest locally, how important it is to be rooted in a particular place. I mean, think about it. This year, we have spent more time at home than probably any other year that you or I can remember. We were no longer driving into work, some of us. Instead, we were uh, logging on to video calls. Uh, we weren't driving the kids around to school. Instead, we were helping them log on to a virtual classroom. Even this past month of holiday shopping, a lot of the encouragement and the emphasis was to invest locally, to buy from small businesses and to uh, invest in local, uh, the local economy so that our Christmas shopping would go towards uh, the good of our neighborhood. Local matters. That's what we've seen this past year. And so when we talk about blessing your block, what we're saying is this year we want to lean into our local context. This year we really want to ask the question of, of what would it mean if we followed Jesus right on our block, right with a couple of people who live on the same street with us? What if we invested and followed Jesus here in our neighborhood or in your local context? What would it look like if we joined him on the mission right there, right where we are? This is really uh, the idea that gave birth to our church, that we don't want to just start a church, like open up a service and say, hey, we're here, but instead we want to invest in the neighborhood, understand the neighborhood, and out of that, see the life and the mission of Jesus come to be in a way that makes sense in this neighborhood. And so Bless Your Block is all about what it means to follow Jesus on his mission right where you are, because you have a local context. You have a neighborhood or a cul-de-sac. You have uh, people who live right next door to you. You have local businesses and local schools that uh, Jesus is going to call you to move towards, to invest in those things, to bring blessing to those places. And so we're going to use this acronym over the next uh, couple of weeks. We're going to look at this idea of bless. We've talked about it a little bit as a church already. As we launched our church, we said we want to engage in 1,000 acts of hope, uh, which we use this acronym BLESS being prayerfully present, listening, eating, serving, and sharing our story. That these are the ways that we're going to engage in this mission in our local context. And over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look closely at these. We're going to see how Jesus lived these things out and what it means for us to do this as well, to join him in doing those things right where we live. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of sharing Jesus with people of communicating about who Jesus is and inviting people to experience the hope that he's offered us. Uh, this often is called evangelism. And you might have a complicated relationship with evangelism, if you're honest. Uh, maybe you don't really like the idea of sharing your religion or sharing your faith with somebody. It seems kind of invasive or it seems a little too personal. Uh, and sometimes it can feel like a little bit of a sales tactic. Uh, I'll tell you a story. When I was a student at Kent State University, not too long ago, but it's becoming a little bit longer, uh, I was a student there at the student center studying for a test one day. And uh, an older guy came by. He was clearly not a student. And he sort of struck up a conversation with me about 
uh, school and about what I was studying. And eventually the conversation kind of moved towards religion and, and good and evil. And I kind of caught on that he was actually trying to work his way into sort of a, a conversation about God. Like he wanted to convince me uh, of who he thought God was. Now, as a Christian at the time, even then, and, uh, but I was kind of curious. I'd never been on the receiving end of someone trying to share their faith or their religion with me. And so uh, I didn't show all of my cards right away. I kind of listened to him a little bit. And uh, finally, I told him, hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a Christian. I believe that Jesus died for my sins. I trust him uh, for uh, my life. And the conversation changed entirely in that moment. It went from kind of these canned questions about uh, who I was and what I thought, and it instead moved to kind of a weird conversation about the sin on campus, about all the evil that was taking place and all the, the bad thinking and bad living that people were doing. And it just kind of like rubbed me the wrong way, so I kind of got out of the conversation pretty quickly. But uh, that kind of is maybe what you think of when you think of evangelism. You think of sharing your faith. You think uh, kind of some canned questions to make someone an insider, and then as soon as somebody is on the inside, we kind of judge people who are on the outside, people who are not part of our religion or our community. But what I want to introduce you to and what we want to talk about the next couple of weeks is, is how to share Jesus with people in a way that values people really well. And so this morning, as we start this series, as we kick off this theme of blessing your block, I just want to answer two really big questions for us. First is this, why share Jesus at all? Why go to the trouble? Why jump in and start sharing Jesus with people, especially in our world? The second question is this, how do we start, how do we do that in a way that values people? So why share Jesus and how do we do that in a way that values people? So let's talk about why we share Jesus. Have you ever considered the question, what does God want? Now, I don't, I don't just mean like, what's God's will for your life? Like, where does he want you to work and who does he want you to marry? But like, what does God actually want in the world? If God uh, had his way, what would the world be like? And what would be happening in the world? You know, this is a question that is pretty clear in the Bible. That If you open up the pages of the Bible, you get a, a pretty clear sense of what God actually wants and what he's actually doing. In fact, one of the most famous stories in the Bible, the most important story of the Bible, it comes in Genesis chapter 12, when God shows up to a man named Abram. Now, if you don't know the story so far, in the first 11 chapters of Genesis, God creates the world, and he puts humanity in the center of it, and it's great. But then Adam and Eve, the first humans, they rebel against God, and things get really bad really quickly. And there's a, a flood, and Noah and his family, they are saved from the destruction, and out of that comes a new family. And then in Genesis chapter 11, humanity gets together and says, let's try to make ourselves God. Let's try to be as good as we possibly can. Let's rebel against God. And then the next chapter, this story happens. God shows up to a man named Abram. We don't know too much about him at this point. We just know that God comes to him and he makes a promise to him. And so in Genesis chapter 12, this is what God says to Abram, uh, this promise that he gives him. He says this, now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went as the Lord had told him. This is God's word for us this morning. So get this, God shows up to Abram. We don't know much about him. We don't know really what he was doing before this, but he shows up to Abram and he says this, if you will follow me, 
I'm going to send you to a land. I'm not going to tell you where you're going, but just trust me. Have faith in me. Follow me. And I'm going to do two things. The first is this. He says, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of all your needs along the way. I'm going to provide for your family. I'm going to give you a big family as you trust me. I'm going to bless you. But the second thing he says is this, is that I'm going to bless the whole world through you. That the purpose of this blessing is not just to keep it or hoard it or, or protect it for just your family, but instead that as you do this, you will bless everyone you encounter. And this is then the, the storyline for the rest of the Old Testament is Abraham, as he becomes known, and his family living into and following this promise, sometimes often failing. But the promise that God says, through this family, I'm going to bless the whole world. And in fact, it's through this family that Jesus comes to us. Jesus is part of this family that, that God initiates through Abram in this moment. In fact, this is what we celebrate in Christmas, is that all of these promises have now come to us in Jesus. Jesus is now here as this promised one of God to bless us and then send us to be a blessing. Because you see, what Jesus does as he is here is he, he cares for people. He heals the sick. He cares for the poor. He, and he creates a new family. He gathers disciples, followers around him. And he invites them to call God their father. And he, he leads us to knowing who God is in a new kind of way. But then at the end of Jesus' time on earth, after he has died a sinless death in our place and risen again, he gathers this group of people together, this new family that he is forming called the church. And he gives them a renewed mission. In fact, in Matthew 28, we get this uh, command, this mission that Jesus gives us in Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20. This is what it says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is Jesus' command to us. You see, there's a direct line from Genesis 12 when God told Abram to go and I will bless the world through you to what Jesus is now saying to his church. That the church is now this blessed family of God called to bless the world around them by telling them about Jesus, by sharing about who Jesus is and how he has blessed us, and then in turn inviting others to join this family as well. See, Jesus was the plan all along, that he is the one that this family of Abraham was leading to. And now in Jesus, we have the opportunity to become God's family, to be blessed by knowing Jesus and knowing the forgiveness that he brings us but not just to stay there, not just to say, okay, I'm good, I'm done, I don't need anything else, but instead to join him in his mission to bless every nation, every family, everyone around us. You see, the bottom line is this. The church is not a place you go. It's a mission you join. And if you are, uh, if you are not engaging in this mission, you're missing out on what church is. See, there's a lot of things that we think of when we think of church, whether it's uh, sitting in service or singing some songs or maybe some programs or some activities or some, some groups. There's a lot of things that we think of when we think of church, but, but the reason why the church exists is this mission, to be this blessed family, blessed because we know the forgiveness of Jesus, and in turn sent out to follow Jesus to bless the people that are around us. And so if you're not engaged in that mission, 
you're missing out on what the church is all about. To be this family on this mission, seeking to bless those around us so they could see who Jesus is and join his family too. See, this is why we share Jesus. Not because it's a good marketing pitch. Not because we need more members who will tithe more. Not because we want to have the biggest church in town. This is why we share Jesus. Because this is God's heart and his mission. is to bless the world through Jesus. And so as we know who Jesus is, and as we experience uh, the forgiveness and the blessing that comes from knowing him, in turn it should lead us to invite others to experience that same blessing. Because you see, we all know this is true. You get more joy in giving than receiving. Even this past Christmas, whatever your gifts look like, you know that giving a meaningful gift and seeing the joy in someone else is more meaningful than just receiving a gift yourself. In fact, this is really a sign of maturity to to be able to say, I want to give rather than just receive. This is what we want to see in our kids at Christmas is that they find joy in giving. And in the same way, this is true, that as we understand the gift that we've been given, the blessing that Jesus is to us, we will join him in giving and sharing this blessing to other people. And as we join him in this mission, that's how we discover just how good he really is. This is why we share Jesus, because it's been God's heart and his plan all along to bless the world through him, and through the family that he calls the church. So how do we actually do this? How do we do this in a way that values people? It doesn't treat people as a project or or a sales pitch or manipulate people into joining something. How do we do this in a way that makes sense? See, this is where the acronym BLESS is really helpful. We talk about blessing. We're talking about being prayerfully present. We're talking about listening to people. We're talking about eating, serving, and sharing your story with people. See, all of these things are simple, everyday things that we can do to take steps in relationship with people around us. Not for the sake of uh, convincing them to listen to us, but for the sake of seeing who they are and understanding how God has made them, seeing the image of God that they possess and praying for opportunities to bless them like we have been blessed by Jesus. So over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about the last four, but this morning I just want to center us in on the first one, being prayerfully present. Perhaps the most important of any of the acts of blessing that we could do. Because you see, without this one, everything else that we're doing is a waste of time. Because the power to change lives, the power to change minds and hearts doesn't come from us. There's no set of questions that we could teach you, no set of uh, strategies that we could give you that would change someone's heart or mind. That is what God does. And so when we start by being prayerfully present, we're starting by recognizing that we need him every step of the way, that he's the one who's going to draw people to himself, not us. And so the two words in this, prayerful and present, are super important. So let's talk about being present first. There's a difference between uh, being somewhere and being present somewhere. Right? Maybe you've experienced this, that you can be at home, uh, but you're on your phone, and you're not really present there. This is something my wife reminds me of often, is that I can be at home, but on my phone, I'm not really present because my heart, my mind, and my eyes and my ears are not there. Being present means that my heart and my mind are open to what's happening right here, that my ears are listening, that I'm, I'm understanding and feeling what's going on in this space. In the same way, you can 
uh, live in a neighborhood and not be present in that neighborhood. You could own a house on the block but not be present on the block because your eyes and your ears and your heart are not there. So being present means opening your eyes, opening your ears, allowing your heart to go out to your neighbors and the, the things that are happening right on your block. It's being present and recognizing the image of God on the faces of your neighbors and recognizing that this is a place that I need to call home. One way to be present is this. Maybe in 2021, you could draw a, a two-mile circle around your home and say, I'm going to uh, eat at every restaurant and shop at every store within this two-mile radius. Maybe I drive five miles to get to the big store, but maybe I'll stay here and see what this store is like. That's being present in the neighborhood. My wife and I have been talking lately about how different it is for us to live here in Goodyear Heights versus somewhere else. That we understand this neighborhood better differently because we call this place home. Because we see the conversations that happen on the neighborhood Facebook pages. We see our neighbors uh, move in and we've seen neighbors move out. We understand that Eastwood Avenue is really just uh, a racetrack for cars at all hours of the night. You see, these are things that come as we are present in our neighborhood, as we start to hear and understand and feel the things that people feel here. This is so important, in fact, that this is what Jesus does for us at Christmas. He comes to us and meets us where we are. He lives in a particular place for over 30 years before he ever starts his ministry. And so being present means having your eyes and your heart and your ears open to what's happening right where you live. But being prayerful means that as you're present, you're also keeping in mind having the lenses of the Lord's prayer that Jesus gave us when he says, pray that God's kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. Or you could pray this on your block as it is in heaven, in your local school as it is in heaven, in your neighbor's house as it is in heaven. That this is how we are prayerfully present. That as we hear the things that people care about, as we are present in their lives, we are taking all of that prayerfully, taking all of that to God, saying, God, what would it look like if your kingdom came here? And how might you want to use me to that end? You see, if we are only prayerful, but not present. We're just locked in our homes behind a closet, praying and not really knowing what to pray for. But if we are only present and not prayerful, then we don't have any power or authority or any energy behind the change that needs to happen. But if we can be prayerfully present, we will hear the hearts and the concerns of the people around us. And we will be praying and dreaming and asking God to move to bring his kingdom here as it is in heaven here in the Heights, here in Talmadge or Chicago Falls or West Akron, wherever it is that you're watching this, God wants to bring his kingdom there, probably through you. You see, as a church, we have this dream to see 150 people, that would be like 1% of our neighborhood, come to know Jesus in the next 10 years as we are here as a church. Now, here's the thing. That, those 150 people, they're going to come to know Jesus not because we have a building, but because we are present here. Those 150 people, some of them are your neighbors. Some of them are the people that you're going to encounter at the restaurant that you go to. The people that are at the store that you pass by. The people that, that you get to know as you spend time in the parks or in the schools. Those 150 people are already here. And God is inviting us to join him in his mission. To be this family blessed by Jesus. Blessing the people around us. That you have the opportunity to join him on this mission. So that 10 years from now, 150 people might know who Jesus is 
And be able to say, this all started because my neighbor was here. This all started because my neighbor listened to me, because my neighbor cared about me, because they didn't just ignore me. That that softened my heart and opened my eyes to the hope that Jesus offers. See, this is the mission that God has been on all along. He is inviting us to join him in this mission by blessing our block this year, by being prayerfully present in the lives of our neighbors and friends, so that he might open hearts and minds and doors and opportunities to share the hope of Jesus as we spend our time and our energy and our prayer asking that he would move and joining him along the way. Let me pray this for us as we end this time this morning. God, this is a mission that you have been on for a long time, to bless the world through this family, culminating in who Jesus is, that you now call us into that family, the church, and you're asking us to join us in your mission to bless people around us, so that as we uh, invest in them, as we spend time here really understanding the neighborhood and people who call this place home, our neighbors and our friends and our coworkers, that they would not become projects that we can uh, work or our conversations that we can manipulate, but instead people that you love and people that you are calling us to love as well. So would we be a church that has been overwhelmingly blessed by Jesus that just spills out into blessing the people that are around us? And God, for the one who is here who says, you know, I have a hard time with evangelism. I've been hurt. I've experienced some really hard things. God, would you help them see just how beautiful Jesus is, that he brings to us all of the blessings of God. He invites us into this family and then invites us to join him in this adventure of seeing God's kingdom come right where we are, starting with their hearts and their life. We pray all this in the name of Jesus, who is uh, what this is all about. Amen.